It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Updates, air quotes, heavy air quotes on the update uh, word there on uh, Jared Vanderbilt and Gabe Vincent. The Lakers uh, were asked about those situations, and I will relay the message as they gave it to the press today. Um, We're going to be talking a little bit about LeBron James's comments on uh, Bronny not making mock drafts now. And kind of an update on that situation, obviously very pertinent to the Lakers as they look to continue their relationship with LeBron beyond this season, potentially. Uh, I also had a report, uh, obviously, yesterday that went a little viral today, Uh, so I'm just going to have some fun with you guys at some of the reactions to it. And, um, you know, if there's some time here at the end of the show, I will answer some questions whether they come from the uh, Apple uh, iTunes five-star reviews or here from the comment section. So get those questions in uh, if you have them, and we will get to them um, as, as best I can here at the tail end of the show. A quick reminder, please do, if you guys are watching live on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. I would greatly appreciate that. If you're watching on Twitter, uh, please either follow me at Anthony Irwin LA, uh, where I will be dropping some personal news, I think, in the next day or so. Uh, so you guys will have that to look forward to if you guys are interested in that. And uh, if you are watching on Twitter, please do head on over to YouTube and hit subscribe there. Uh, the link is youtube.com slash at Lakers Lounge, uh, where you could find our show and uh, we can all do these things as often as I possibly can. Um, all right, let's go ahead and dive into the first uh, first story of the day. 
that being Jared Vanderbilt and Gabe Vincent's availability moving forward. Um, the as the Lakers practice today, uh, the uh, beat reporters were given access to uh, Darvin Ham so that they could, you know, ask him on, uh, you know, whatever, whatever topics. And one of the topics that came up, uh, according to those beat reporters, was the uh, we were told that we were supposed to get an update on uh, Jared Vanderbilt and on Gabe Vincent after the All-Star break. Uh, we have obviously gotten updates on Cam Reddish and uh, Max Christie, right? Max is now playing again, and Cam is now considered probable for, uh, by the time you guys are listening to this in podcast form, tonight's game against the uh, Clippers. For those of you watching live, obviously, that is going to be tomorrow night. Uh, good news, I guess, on that front. Uh, Paul George is not going to be available, and despite not practicing today, Anthony Davis should be available tomorrow uh, despite his dealing with an upper respiratory issue. Um, but yeah, so back to uh, Jared Vanderbilt and Gabe Vincent. No update. Basically we, you know, the, the, the beat was the beat reporters were told that uh, it is, they are not quite ready to be reevaluated quite yet. Um, though they are apparently still on schedule, even though the reevaluations are now being pushed back. Um, I do know that like with Gabe at the time of his um, surgery, the time frame that they were talking about was about mid-March when he would be making his return. So I guess you're technically still on schedule there with uh, Gabe and with Vanderbilt. We still don't even know what the actual injury is. They haven't even come out and told people that now, as I've been reporting, um, for, uh, okay. Mike Muscala is being bought out by the Detroit Pistons. That's interesting. Given the wood situation, uh, Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski just tweeted out that, uh, Mike Muscala just got bought out. So I guess I'll keep an eye on that, but, uh, that would be hilarious. Uh, bringing Mike Muscala back this, you know, after the, the Zubots trade, but anyway, um, yeah, Jared Vanderbilt got hurt, was told that it's going to be a lengthy um, process getting him back. And uh, the optimistic view that we have been given, right, is that to this point, according to Rob Polinka, they have avoided surgery. Not that any like strides are being taken or made there in his return to the court, um, but they are... Um, they have been able to avoid surgery to this point. Uh, Jovan Buha tweeted out uh, about, you know, the, the, the fact that they asked the, the uh, I think it was Darvin Ham that they spoke to, um, which is always a bit of an uh, adventure, Darvin Ham giving injury updates. But uh, neither Gabe Vincent nor Jared Vanderbilt have made uh, any kind of return to on-court um, activity, which means that, like, in both of their cases, they are both dealing with lower body injuries. So you're going to have conditioning to deal with. And then it's about getting back into a rhythm with the guys that you're playing with. Um, in Vanderbilt's case, he at least showed that he like looked good at one point this year. Vincent never looked particularly good this year. So yeah, I, as, as I've been told uh, with, <coughs> excuse me, with uh, Vanderbilt, um, I've been told not to expect him back. And then with Gabe, remember with Gabe, Shams Karania randomly put 
at the bottom of one of his uh, articles that uh, Gabe Vincent would be making his return. And I think, uh, you know, in, in the next couple of days or whatever. And at that time I said, that doesn't seem consistent with what I'm being told. So I checked back in on it. The same people that, that, that told me about, you know, that, that talked to me about Gabe in the first place uh, said, yeah, no real update on our front. Uh, so then we went from that to, he didn't play in the game that uh, Karania, Shams Karania um, said that he was uh, going to be playing in. Then he played in the following game. And, and then like a week later was, you know, out again. And then obviously and inevitably he headed towards surgery. So I, um, in, in that case, right. I, you know, I, I hope to be able to provide you guys better information or like more positive information. The information is good that I keep providing you guys. Um, and in both of those guys' cases, I don't know how much they factor into the Lakers plans moving forward. They brought in Spencer Dinwiddie. So even if Gabe makes his return, that's a minutes crunch at that position. So I, I think the Lakers are basically planning on Gabe not being available for the rest of this year. And, um, you know, Vanderbilt, I've been told that they are, are, you know, consider him in much of the same way. So I wish I had, you know, more, you know, much more, uh, a better update to, to provide to you guys there. Um, but, but that is just not the case, uh, as, as it currently stands. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brandon Oming with a super comment, which means we get to play this. Should I play it again? For those of you who are like, I've had a couple questions what they're saying. To be absolutely clear, they're saying fuck Boston, which... Always ups my mood. I'll play it again. Fuck Boston! Uh, Brandon Olming says, uh, if the Lakers play the Nuggets in Western Conference Finals, Vando or uh, Spencer Dinwiddie slash uh, Murray, Austin Reeves slash KCP, Braun slash MPJ, Rui slash Aaron Gordon, AD slash Yo, I guess are matched up against those guys. You think that would work defensively? 
That's a good question. You would like to have Vando. Um, it. I don't think they are going to have Vando, but I don't love the idea of Spencer Dinwiddie guarding um, Jamal Murray there. It's not great that you're still not mentioning D'Angelo Russell in that series or in those matchups. That makes like that, you know, that I think kind of speaks for itself. Um, what we've noticed lately, or what I've at least noticed noticed lately with uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is he's been picking up a ton of fouls recently. I haven't looked at his per 36 foul rate, um, but it's probably pretty high up there. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that he hasn't played serious defense in a long time, and he's trying to get back to playing serious defense and isn't quite equipped to do so right now, whether that's mentally or physically, uh, you know, whether it's because of the habits or like, you know, wear and tear over the course of a career. And I think he's committing a lot of fouls because he's just not a very good defender. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that puts you at a bit of a disadvantage. Um, you know, in, in that in that matchup or in those minutes, right, where you would like to get something from Dinwiddie. He isn't shooting the ball very well. He, um, you know, Darvin Ham was asked about Dinwiddie and said that Dinwiddie just needs to hoop, um, which is such a perfectly on-brand response from Darvin. Like, no, we're not doing anything to get him loose. We aren't doing anything to get him in more pick-and-roll situations. We aren't do anything, doing anything to get him any uh, more confidence. We just need him to go out there and play. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a tough spot there with, with Dinwiddie. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that Murray matchup there, the Lakers were hoping to have Vanderbilt there. I think you probably have max in that spot, um, to, to defend Murray. You probably have Cam Reddish in that spot to defend Murray, but then you kind of wonder what Reddish at least does to your offense. So it's, uh, it's a, you know, the, the Nuggets are a brutal matchup. That's why they've won seven straight against the Lakers. Another comment here from Brandon, which means I get to do this again. Uh, Brandon writes for the rotation. One of AD slash Braun needs to be in always. Rui should be getting 30 plus minutes. Spencer Dinwiddie around 18 to 20 max and uh, Prince around 15 Hayes around 10. Yeah, it sounds about right. Uh, you know, I, I think Prince probably plays more than 15. I don't think they're going to cut his minutes in half, but in terms of, you know, a playoff rotation. I would probably hope that some of those Prince minutes winds up and we'll see, like if, if Dinwiddie doesn't improve his play, I don't think he should be in the play. There shouldn't be some like guarantee that Dinwiddie is in, in the playoff rotation. You know, you still have to get a bunch of minutes to, to Russell. You still have to get a bunch of minutes to, to Austin Reeves. Frankly, Max has outplayed Dinwiddie by large stretch, uh, you know, a, a, a wide gap is there between Max and Spencer right now. So uh, if Dinwiddie doesn't improve his play, I don't think he should be guaranteed a spot in the playoff rotation. Uh, so I do want to uh, discuss just a, a quick, um, a quick little aside here, basically on, on LeBron James commenting on, uh, you know, mock drafts, no longer having Bronny, in in them right and and basically considering him a 2025 uh draft candidate more so than a 2024 one remember this like basketball year 
started for Bronny with a trip to the hospital and a very, very serious, potentially life-threatening situ- excuse me, situation there that, uh, you know, scared a lot of people, correctly scared a lot of people. I, I have a, a heart condition. I have a uh, abnormal aorta. And you ask my mom, if I ask my mom, like the thing that she was always the most nervous about, it was always me just dropping dead or, or, or collapsing on a court because my heart just decided that isn't enough. Probably not the smartest thing that I could have possibly done to gain a bunch of weight after my athletic career uh, and put that much more pressure on my heart or whatever. But certainly, like when I heard about that situation and found out that he was going to be playing in the year after that, I thought that was kind of extreme, to be completely honest. I'm not a doctor, but I thought that was kind of crazy. And um, and so he, he winds up playing in this USC season and he hasn't lived up to expectations. Like, I think that's fair. Uh, I, I I don't think he has been. I don't think if his dad wasn't LeBron James, he would be considered, a, you know, a, a viable option in this upcoming draft. And and so, like, you know, LeBron got frustrated with it and basically tweeted out his frustration, saying that, you know, let the kid enjoy college. And, you know, there's there's you know, it's just too much focus on him. And he can't, you know, like let him live his life basically. And it's like, okay, but I don't think you would be telling people to not write about him if he was playing well enough to be included in those mock drafts. Uh, LeBron has since deleted those tweets. This is the same LeBron James, by the way, who (laughs) said in a locker room within earshot of his teammates that Bronny could play on this team over some of his teammates, uh, which, you know, is just objectively not true. I don't know enough about college basketball and scouting guys to, to, to get ready. Like this is, I don't do that work until it is right about this time of the draft. And I only do it specifically with guys that I think are going to be in the Lakers range, right. Who are getting mocked in that, in that uh, Lakers range of wherever they're going to be selecting as I did, by the way, with like Jaime Jaquez, who I was really hoping the Lakers would draft because I'm Mexican and because I'm a UCLA fan and because he was really effing good at UCLA, a school that produces uh, a lot of really good professional basketball players. Uh, I'm not bitter. But yeah, I I haven't paid too close attention to Bronny and I'm not going to make a comment on like, it, he will never be an NBA player. Like I, I think he's probably good enough to eventually get drafted. He just needs more time. And I think that's essentially the point that LeBron was trying to make is like, let the kid come along at the speed that he needs to come along at. Um, Unfortunately and fortunately for some kids, these mock drafts do raise awareness to those, to, to the guys who play well enough to rise in those mock drafts, or in some cases play poorly enough to drop in them. And uh, you know, it's it's a part of the industry. It's a part of the NBA economy, and it's going to be something that people um, are going that like the idea that people should just not pay attention to Bronny because he has played poorly this year or not lived up to expectations this year is kind of insane, right? Like, you know who your dad is, LeBron, you know who your kid is, and he's going to benefit from that 
exposure has benefited from that exposure. And unfortunately, the other side of that sword or the other side of that blade, right, is that sometimes it's negative exposure when things don't go to plan. Um, also, he still might get drafted. Like, he still might enter the draft, and some team still might, the Lakers might, at the very, very end of the draft, you know, bring Bronny in for the sake of appeasing LeBron. And if that happens, then okay. Like, we all move forward with our lives. And, and maybe Bronny is good enough to legitimately help the team the year after he gets drafted, or maybe he does the Thanasis Atentacumpo thing and, and just like sticks around in the NBA because of who he's related to. Nepotism is a part of, of all industry, right? We root for a team uh, owned currently by Jeannie Bus, daughter of Dr. Bus. Uh, we root for a team, uh, you know, kind of heralded, uh, you know, by... Um, by Rob Palinka, who got that job because of his relationship with Kobe Bryant. Nepotism, cronyism, all those isms, like they, they aren't going anywhere anytime soon. And uh, neither, it appears, are stories about Bronny and, and his uh, attempts and, and, and continued attempt to get into the NBA. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, so uh, I do want to just, again, spend a couple minutes on this one as well here the um i'll play the clip i'll go ahead and play the clip because why not this is the clip that uh went a little viral today uh, on twitter and it has to do with for those of you who have wondered why torian prince gets so many minutes uh here's unfortunately my answer i've been told by people close to that situation that he considers like is he he likes to find uh analogs to that Bucks team that he was an assistant coach on when they won the championship. And his analog with Torian Prince is Chris Middleton. <laughs> so, and Never mind, I, again, fire him. I, I forget everything I just said. I'm, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't me. This isn't Never me mind. like speculating Never anymore. No, I was joking I'm about good. this with Yovan last night. I was like, dude, you'll never believe what I heard. And I said it on the air and I, and I, I have to repeat it now because I can't believe it's something that is, I I've been told. Um, and, but anyway, like do I you think AD I, is their Brooke Lopez. He plays a lot of drop. I'm, uh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Forget everything I just said. <laughs> I like winning arguments against Harrison is, is my thing. Um, so anyway, I tweeted out that clip and uh, obviously, as you would expect, people on Twitter uh, reacted poorly to it. And I'm not like, you know, I could go through and find the mentions and the, and the quote tweets that, that made me laugh or whatever. Instead of doing that, though, I do want to like build on the concept and the idea of um, 
like expand this beyond Darwin because you see this pretty often where a player or a, you know, a coach, I guess, has some success in some different situation and then tries to recreate that success to, you know, like that's the whole point is, is you, you, you work as you work your ass off to succeed the one time. And then you hope to God that like you can recreate a version of that and, and enjoy that success all over again. And then you hit repeat and repeat and repeat. And I, um, great coaches adapt to their teams, right? Like great coaches, Phil Jackson, right? Phil Jackson in the three peat by itself when he was a Lakers coach, right? Different power forwards. You had Horace Grant, you had Robert Ory, you had AC green, you had, um, you know, and then, and then again, he won two more championships, right? That time with, with obviously with Kobe still, but with Powell and with Odom and with Bynum and all five of those championship teams played a different type of basketball. They all kind of had different, different identities to them, right? The, the first, um, the first year that Kobe and Powell won a championship together, that looked different than the second year that they won it, right? Because the first year they won that championship together, they had Trevor Ariza. And then, uh, you know, that situation plays out poorly. Trevor Ariza winds up leaving. You bring in Ron Artest. Well, that team plays very differently when you have Ron Artest on it compared to when you have Trevor Ariza. A really fun what if, what if is if they would have been able to keep both of those guys because I think you, you probably three-peat if you're able to keep both. Anyway, the, um, you know, Greg Popovich, right? He won a few championships with Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker, but then he also won a championship with Kawhi Leonard being the uh, finals MVP, right? Great coaches, the best coaches, right? They find a way to make it work, even if players aren't directly analogous to the situation that they're currently coaching in. The thing that drives me insane though, is why Darwin would latch onto only and specifically that Milwaukee Bucks team that he won a championship with. Yeah. You won the championship with them, but you also had a pretty damn good season last year, pretty damn good playoff run last year with these guys. And I would think it's a lot easier to find analogs from roster to roster when some of those analogs would be those guys, right? Like you don't need to find a new Rui when Rui is there. You don't need to find a new, I don't know. uh, You don't need to find a new D'Angelo Russell. I guess you needed to find a new Spencer Dinwiddie, right? And, and the hope this year was that Gabe Vincent would provide some of what uh, Dennis brought, but also, would find a way to add to that, right? Tweak it a little bit. The way that I talked about it with Pete when he was on the show earlier this year was how I liked that Gabe could at least hypothetically operate with different sized windows compared to Schroeder, who kind of only liked to operate with a lot of time on the ball. And um, with, with this team, though, like, the further and further that you go from this team 
and the harder you, that you try to make these guys completely players all you know completely different players all together the 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 worse those fits are going to be and you know i i i think that there are some things that at least theoretically could have worked this year right five out could have worked in 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 some ways and in some versions but unfortunately there was a diminished value there because at the beginning of the season, Austin Reeves couldn't shoot the ball very well. Right. Um, D'Angelo Russell and Austin like kind of took turns struggling this season. And, you know, eventually the Lakers had to kind of tweak their approach. Uh, I think defensively that the Lakers could have done some things differently this year that more comfortably aligns with the talent on this roster rather than, you know, continue to, you know, give up wide open three pointers. You have like good athletes on this team. You have, you had Vanderbilt before he got hurt. You have Reddish, you have Max, you have even Prince who I think is fine in, in short bursts defensively Um, needing to give up so many wide open three pointers just because it's on the scouting department that that guy shot, you know, a certain percentage on the year you know, and never adjusting as that game plays out in a way that 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 the opposing team is taking advantage of of that of your scouting um, report, like those things hurt you, right? And and you know, as as easy as it is to just kind of laugh at that quote, right? That clip by itself, you also like I, I felt the need to examine it further and wonder why it is this guy just refuses even 60 plus games now into the season to acknowledge the roster that he actually has the guys that he actually has. And until he does, it's probably too late at this point, but until he does, the Lakers are always going to be inconsistent because, you know, do anything that you feel uncomfortable with. Right. And perpetually uncomfortable with. Right. Um, I, don't feel comfortable in like a lot of the clothes that like young people wear nowadays. Right. And I could dress more like a YouTuber when I do these shows, but I would do it. And I'd be like the whole time I'd be sitting here doing the show. I'd be looking at myself, do the show and be like, I look like an idiot. Like, <laughs> and it would be in the back of my mind. I would never be particularly comfortable and it just wouldn't work. Right. And I think the Lakers all year this year have been trying to be this thing or their coaching staff has been trying to make these guys into things that they are not. And part of the reason that they have been so inconsistent this year is because they aren't comfortable doing the things that is being asked of them when the things that they are comfortable doing actually lead to success, right? So not only is it that you're taking these guys out of their comfort zone, but you're taking them away from success to get out of that comfort zone. And I just think it's it's a combination and, and and it's a it's it's a combination of all of these things that compound issues. And that's how you arrive at a Lakers team with a healthy LeBron James and a healthy Anthony Davis fighting and scratching and clawing to stay within playing range. All right. Uh, I am going to go ahead and, um, you know what I, I, Harrison and I meant to spend more time on this, so I'll, I'll spend a few minutes here on it as well. Um, but you had Brian Windhorst go on, I believe it was first take 
and talk about LeBron's contract situation. Um, I meant to play it in yesterday's show. We ran out of time, so I'll go ahead and play it here. What's so fascinating about the Lakers is that so much of the time, they're basically an average to above average team. I mean, they are in ninth place. Yeah. Um, but they were in ninth place right about now a year ago. And the thing about this team that is just wild is that they have the ability to elevate their game sort of at the drop of a hat. We saw it happen in last year's playoffs. We saw it happen in the in-season tournament. We've seen it happen over the last month. You know, they have really gotten their act together a little bit. They've won eight of their last 11 games. Um, and Darvin Ham has leaned into a big lineup. Um, where they're starting Hachimura alongside LeBron and AD, which gives them certain advantages. And there are teams, guys. I should mention this was from a few days ago. Size in the <laughs> so, like Conference. leaning into now, a big lineup. I'm not going to sit here and he tell did not. you he leaned out that of the I think the Lakers can replicate the run that they had last year. But I will tell you that there are teams that if they get the perfect path and things just fall their way and they play their best basketball, they could. It would be irresponsible for me to say that they're not. And because that they are the Lakers, and that is true, they have uh, a lot of attention. And I'm going to say one thing that I disagree with Stephen A. on. I don't think this is LeBron's last stand. I don't think this is the Lakers' last stand. First off, I think LeBron is angling to sign a multi-year deal in the offseason with the Lakers that will be nine figures, that will be even bigger than the deal he is on now. Now, whether or not he's able to finish that deal, whether or not the Lakers want to give him a three-year contract and pay him $60 million when he's 42 years old, that's a different discussion. And I actually believe some of the stuff he's saying right now isn't just about this team. It's about already negotiating that contract. But the Lakers are in position to make a big swing at a trade this summer. That is one of the reasons why they didn't do a deal at this trade deadline. There was no big players to get. Their assets were more limited. When we get to June, the Lakers will magically go from one tradable first-round pick to three tradable first-round picks because of some arcane rules in the system. And they will, all their players, the teams didn't want because they had multiple years left on their contract, will have one or two years left on their contracts. They are in much better position to make a major swing for a trade this summer. And if other teams in the league have disappointing finishes, which you know there will be, you will see opportunities arise for the Lakers. They are a compelling team today. They will be a compelling team tomorrow. And they will be a compelling team in June and July. All right. So uh, I agree completely with what Brian said there at the very end. There is no, like, uncompelling version of the Lakers so long as LeBron is in the organization. And hell, even without him, you're going to have a whole bunch of palace intrigue as this Lakers organization tries to land on its feet after a LeBron James stint. So uh, I, you know, there is no way that the Lakers are just not going like that. There are no boring Lakers seasons. There are annoying ones. There are frustrating ones. There are some, there are rebuilding seasons, but like, as an example, while the Lakers were doing all of their rebuilding last time, you had Kobe like in his final season and it ended with that 60 point game. And it was, you know, it was, it was a, 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 you had to kind of trudge through the mud to get there. And there were certainly some down points in that season. And I will never, ever, ever forget Byron Scott playing Ronnie Price over Jordan Clarkson and basically keeping Clarkson from what could have been like a, a first team all rookie season. Um, 
Clarkson made the second team all rookie team uh, despite playing basically like half of the year. <laughs> so like what he could have done with an entire year, uh, you know, it kind of never ceases to amaze me. But anyway, and obviously the way that Clarkson is now still in the league and still a, a, a very good player in the league, you know, kind of like I, I wrote, I could probably find the article that I wrote for form blue and gold back then where I said one day we're going to look back on this and we're going to laugh at how stupid it was that Byron Scott was playing Ronnie Price over Jordan Clarkson. I bet like like now that like now that time has probably come. But anyway, as far as like the the LeBron contract situation goes, I don't believe he can sign a 3-year deal after you turn like 38 or something like that. I think you can only sign 2-year deals. It could still be a nine-figure deal, right? It could still be a contract that starts at like 60 million bucks and then goes up from there to, you know, 65 or 70, whatever crazy number it would be. And it would still, you know, combine for a 120 or $130 million contract. Um, and to the people who are saying like, I don't know if I'm comfortable paying that. Like, I don't know if I necessarily am either, but the Lakers also paid that much for, you know, the equivalent of that to Kobe not even having seen him recover from an Achilles injury. And, and while I, you know, while in terms of just raw basketball and raw business, uh, probably not the smartest decision that they ever made, but it did have a, you know, kind of trickle down effect to the point where LeBron cites that contract and that relationship that the Lakers had with Kobe and cited it when he originally made the decision to be a Laker in the first place. So, like, you do want to go out on good terms with, with a superstar of LeBron's stature. And in this case, that means probably slightly overpaying or, or, or overpaying for LeBron at the end of his career. And, and I know that there are a lot of Lakers fans who are just, like, sick of all of this stuff. Look, the Lakers have been mostly mediocre in, in regular seasons with LeBron and AD. And somehow some way i just don't trust them to even be mediocre when lebron is gone and i would rather ride this out and then face those troubles when you have to and i i would rather not like it's you can't really trade lebron because like as we saw this year when the lakers like you know when it came up as it seems to every year. And then now is the time that the Lakers should trade LeBron James. When that came up, the part of the discussion was like, wait, for what? Who's giving up what for a 39 year old LeBron? And, and I would say I would, you know, most teams would give up quite a bit for a 39 year old LeBron, but LeBron doesn't want to go to most teams. He's going to want to be traded to a situation that is close to winning a championship. And those teams are usually strapped for assets. So, yeah, I, you just have to ride this out. And I know that there have been some frustrating times through it. And I know that, you know, that relationship between LeBron and the Lakers maybe isn't what either party would like it to be, where, you know, Harrison and I compared it yesterday to a married couple staying together for the kids. Um, I... I still think, though, that for both parties, and we know that they feel this way too, both parties are better off with each other than they would be without. And, you know, ideally, 
those parties would learn to work together the way that they did at the beginning of their relationship. Maybe that isn't in the cards. But like this this summer, for example, I would hope that LeBron would be like still has a cachet to walk into the front office, sit down with Rob Polinka, sit down with, with Jeannie Buss, and be able to say, like, all right, look, obviously I would love for you guys to trade those three picks and whatever contracts it takes to go out and get me a third star. And I trust that you guys are going to try to do that because that's how Rob Polinka is wired anyway. But can we get a like a serious coach? If that does come to fruition, can we get a coach who is like actually worthy of that opportunity? Because Darvin Ham is it, right? And that brings this like conversation, you know, somewhat full circle where like it's kind of a bummer this year that the Lakers went about team building with a focus on depth and stuff like that. And because the coach screwed it up, they are now going to go back probably to the three star and a whole bunch of minimum contract um, method of, of building a roster. And we'll never, you know, get another look at a team building method that won them a championship in the first place because the head coach fucked it up so badly. So <laughs> I, I, I would, I, I, I hope that, <laughs> how do I want to say this? I hope that the Lakers are able to get a Donovan Mitchell to a lesser extent, Trey young, right? But ideally, they don't have enough for those guys, and they still pursue upgrading the roster, using those three draft picks, using those contracts. And the depth that they have this year, next year would feature, you know, more two-way depth. Because this year's, like, yeah, they have a whole bunch of guys who are NBA players in the way that, like, a year or a year or two uh, ago, they didn't, right, where you had the Kendrick Nuns and the Trevor Arizas of the world, um, and, and those guys wound up not being, you know, NBA players for much longer. In this case, I think a lot of the guys on this team are still going to be NBA, NBA players here moving forward. But I, I think the Lakers need to find guys who fit within the team's identity on both sides of the ball. And importantly, hire a coach who acknowledges the correct identity sooner than 60 games into an NBA season. All right. That is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers lounge. Thank you everybody for tuning in uh, and, and for getting your comments in. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, so the plan for the rest of this week, I am recording this obviously on a Tuesday night, the Lakers play tomorrow night against the Clippers. So I'll be post game here in the lounge live in the lounge, whether it's with Roz, whether it's a guest, whatever, uh, so we'll be talking about that game Thursday. I will be talking to Aaron um, in, in in here in the lounge live again, a little bit later than usual. Uh, it'll be around one Pacific time when he and I get together. Uh, that'll be here in the lounge uh, as well. So do hit that subscribe button so that you guys get notified as soon as we do go live. And then Friday we have our uh, happy hour to whether it's a quotation mark happy hour or an actually happy hour i'll be here to, to 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 answer your questions and enjoy what is left of your friday work day uh together with you so until then and until the next time you guys hear from me i'm anthony irwin saying have a great rest of your day make somebody else's and i'll talk to you tomorrow